doing that for that reason, you're not going to be very effective in the work of the Lord. He's changed since then and became one of, one of the better preachers that I know. He's, his, his mind was drastically changed when he got into, into the ministry and realized there's much more to it than just a paycheck. And that's, that's a big deal. Which a lot of people are existing and living in this life who are doing service to God merely to be seen. And you see them in the public. You see them everywhere. And, and you see them even, even in the Lord's church, sadly. Some people just want to be seen doing things. And I, I don't mean to be mean-spirited. I don't mean to talk down to nobody. I don't mean to, to, to accuse anybody of that. Don't get me wrong. But it happens. It's, it's part of the reality we all have to live with. Make sure that we're not that person. Move on a little further here. And we're going to talk about in verse 10 through 13. Along with what we just discussed... In verse 10 through 13, Paul tells the church to Ephesus here, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And he says to put on the whole armor of God, the entire armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now this particular portion of the passage, you might say, well, I've heard you talk about this quite a bit. And in reality, I do speak about the same topic a lot because it's real. Because the wickedness of the world is not ever going to change. The wickedness that goes on around us is unchanging and it's a constant thing that is nagging at us, that is tempting us, that is pressuring us, wanting us to go the opposite direction away from God. So it's no coincidence why me, T.A., Bobby, or whoever's in the pulpit, or whoever is in a Bible study class, we cover a lot of the same topics a lot. And there's a reason for that. It's to edify us up and to build us up and encourage each one of us as we are given the full armor of God to use the full armor of God. You see, it's easy to read in the pages of the Bible, take unto you the full armor of God where you can withstand the wiles of the devil and, and then all to stand and, and do all these things. It's easy to read that. But we want our, I want you and I want me to put that into practice to use what armor God gives us. You know, as you study the Word of God and as you see examples of those people who made mistakes. Those people in life who that you know of that have made mistakes. Well, why why they make those mistakes? A lot of reasons they were in the wrong crowd. A lot of times you see those people who uh, maybe don't go to church as often as they should and they end up doing something they ought not do. You see, it's, it's a direct correlation to the fact that you, if we don't keep ourselves around people of like faith, 
if we don't keep ourselves around the church, if we don't keep ourselves in a study of God's Word, guess what? When the wiles of the devil come, are we fully using our armor that God provided for us? When those temptations come our way, are we more or less prepared? And the obvious answer is if we're not in tune with God's Word and doing His will, and being a part of the body as we should be, being actively a part of the body, then we are at risk of falling away. We are at risk of the devil winning against us. You know, and I love the fact that, you know, Adam brought this morning, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, about the temptation and how that, that God will not suffer us to be tempted above what we're able. And He always gives us a way to escape. He always gives us a way to overcome. And I, and I love, that's one of my favorite scriptures. Even when I was, you know, younger, reading that, I never fully understood it until I got a little older. You know, and when we are in a situation to where we have a temptation right in front of us, Satan, as I've always said, doesn't play fair. He knows where your weakness is, and that's where he, that's where he gets you. He don't go for your strength. He don't go for your strong points. But he knows where you're weakest, and he comes in, and that's where he decides to stab you, and that's where he wins. Because we're not protecting ourselves with the full armor of God. We're not using the full armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You ever wrestled with anybody? Now I'm not talking about arm wrestling. You might configure that, I guess. But have you ever... I know uh, the teenagers, I see them a lot, wrestle around with each other. You know, we call it horse play. We try to avoid such at youth events because it tends to escalate, you know, how that goes. I was a teenager once, and I don't wrestle with anybody anymore, LeVon, because... I just don't. I'm like, whatever. I got, I got time for that. But I used to, and I used to, used to escalate. But I can remember when I would wrestle with my friends, and and we used to wrestle. Jason used to wrestle on the football field. That's kind of what an offensive lineman does. We we wrestle with that defensive lineman and, and hope to get the upper hand. And the same way, it is in reverse. He hopes to wrestle against us and get by to get in the, in the backfield, to dish up the play. That's what we do in life. You know, I've noticed that the longer that I wrestled, the longer that I toiled with something, the more tired I became, the more wore out I was, the more exhausted physically and sometimes even mentally that I was. You know, there comes a point in time, I understand that this may be a kind of a stretch, but as, as a teenager, when I would wrestle with my friends, there was a point in time where I was done. I'm like, you know, I'm tired. I'm not doing that anymore. Sorry. I mean, y'all can wrestle if you want to. I'm going over here. I'm not doing it anymore. Because I didn't, 
It wasn't any benefit to me at that point in time. And the same way it is with sin. You see, we put that temptation in front of us. And we think, well, I'm strong. I'm spiritual-minded. I can, I can wrestle with this, and I can, I can toil with it. It's not going to exhaust me. It's not going to beat me. It's not going to overcome me. And next thing you know, it exhausts us. Next thing you know, it gets the best of us. Next thing you know, we're overcome by it. And the next thing you know, we're so far away from God that we don't know what happened and how we got to where we were. And I'll tell you why we got to where we are. We didn't quit. We didn't stop it. We didn't have a point where we're like, you know, I'm not going to dabble with that anymore. I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm not going to make those same mistakes over and over and over. If you're with friends or family that cause you to stumble away from God, get rid of them. And that's harsh. And that's hard for us to say because we love our friends. We love our family. And I'm not, I'm not saying to write them off and never give them a chance. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if the crowd you are with is causing you to stumble, choose a different crowd, ladies and gentlemen. You may be able to use the old, the old saying, well, I'm the only good example in the group. Be very careful if that's what your argument is. Because sooner or later, you'll be just like them. My papa used to tell me, and I've shared with you countless times, if you run with the goats, you smell like the goats. That's what he told me when I was a kid. Never understood that, Derek, because papa didn't have goats. I was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. But as I've gotten older, I realized how true that is. The company we keep, it can corrupt us before we know it. The world around us is evil. Constantly. You know, I kind of wonder how close we are back in the book of Genesis where it said the thought of man's heart was evil continually. I wonder how close we are today in 2019 because look at all the horrible things going on in the world. And as we exist in the world, we are trying very hard to stay afloat. Sometimes it's it's difficult, but notice in this example, yeah, it's there. And yes, it's struggling, but it's not sinking. It's not overcome with the world. It's not overcome with the things that are around it. We have to exist. We can't withdraw and be hermits, okay? We have to exist in and around people who are not godly. Now, whether it's by our choice or whether it's by a have-to, hopefully by choice we minister to those who are not of God, but we hang out with those who are to help ourselves get to heaven. But we have our due diligence to them as well. I understand that. But as we exist in the world, whether it be a job, school, wherever we are, the vast majority of the people we come into contact with, unless we're at church, are not Christians. That's, that's not me saying that. That's the Bible saying that. Few there be that find it because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. We understand that, right? So the most people you see, statistically speaking, are in and around you every day 
And it's a constant nagging effort. But you're not overcome. You're not overcome. Why? Well, because hopefully we use the armor that God has given to us here in the next few verses of Ephesians 6 and verse 14. Standing therefore, having your loins gird about with truth. As he mentioned this morning, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you or make you free. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. You notice how when you think of ancient warfare, that brass or that copper or whatever breastplate covered the most vital organs. It goes from here, generally down to the belt, which covers the lungs, the heart, uh, liver, stomach, spleen, whatever it is right here, that are most, the most vital organs necessary for our survival. Which tells me that the closest, most vital things in our life in regards to our character, our friends, our family, our loved ones, whatever it is that means the most to you, needs to be covered by glimpses of righteousness in your life. What you do, where you go, what you allow yourself to be a part of, who you're around, they need to be able to see righteousness in you. And hopefully that covers those most vital things in your life. Do people see righteousness in you at your job? Do people see righteousness in you at school? Do people see righteousness in you on the playing field? As a coach? As a teacher? As a Christian? Do people see the things that are most important to you and most valuable to you are covered and protected by the righteousness that God has given to us in His Word? Are they or are they not? Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 1 Peter 3 and verse 5 tells us to be ready to give an answer to every man. We can't do that if we're not spending time in study, if we're not spending time in prayer, if we're not spending time preparing ourselves for battle. That's what this is. You see, as we come to worship God, yes, God is our, our, is our audience. God is our, the one that we are trying to please here. But we as Christians, being in His presence, studying from His Word, with like faith and like-minded people, we are edified and being drawn closer together and closer to God in both ways. So that when we go out into the world through those doors out there, we are prepared to share the gospel. We are ready for whatever comes, for whatever principalities and works of the flesh and wickedness comes our way. Are we prepared to combat that? Are our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel? Are we ready at the drop of a hat to tell someone 
about God, about Jesus, about what He did for you and what He did for them. I hope we are. And if we are prepared, then when something happens, we're not blown away and alarmed by it. Though the evil exists around us, we are still afloat. We're still not overcome by what comes our way. I can remember as a, as a child, every time we had a big storm coming through, and Paul Barris would say there's possibility of tornadoes. I can remember my mom would always tell us, leave a pair of shoes by the bed. So if something happens, put them shoes on, you're ready to go. As I got older, I was like, what about britches and shirt and anything? I mean, why just shoes? I'm going to run out. Well, I ain't even going to go there. But she said, we've got to get shoes on and we've got to get over to Marvin's basement. All right. I thought that tornado is going to wait for us to get ready, get to Marvin's basement, say, all right, let's go. Be prepared. That was, that was a thought. It wasn't, I, make, I, I say that in jest, but obviously I don't make, make light of a tornado. That's a serious deal. And we had one here not that long ago um, in this community. But the thought of, of that was be, be ready. When something like that happens, you don't have time to look for stuff. Okay, your mind is get to safety. Get ready. Be ready for that. I can remember when I was with the rescue squad, and even today, and Emily has saw it, as, with the rescue squad, if I'm, every time you heard that tone go off on the scanner, you popped up. Get your shoes on, get dressed, go out the door to wreck. And even today, after the years that I spent there, I'm not in anymore, but if we're a restaurant and there's emergency personnel there, and those of us who've, who have done that can, can vouch for this, every time we hear that beep on the scanner, that initial response is that jerk. Got to go. And then I realize, oh wait, I'm not doing that anymore, Levon. I have to stop. But that initial, oh, oh wait, be ready. Be prepared. And that's what being have your feet shod of the preparation of the gospel is. It's taking it with you wherever you go. Above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able, be able to stand, be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. How is your faith? You ever really thought about that? You as an individual, me as an individual, what is our faith like? Do people see that the way they should see our righteousness, our truth, and our preparation? Do people see our faith by how we act and by how we respond to adversity? I hope and I pray that when things go awry, people can look at that Look at you and say, you know, that person right there, when things go wrong, they stand right there. They don't buckle, they don't bow, they don't break, they stand right there and they full on 
heads up, I'm going to beat it. Man, I, that's, that's the attitude. That's who I want on my team. That's who you should want on your team. When things go wrong and you turn around and those friends that you call friends are not there to help you, where's their faith? Now, I'm talking about Christians. Okay? When your Christian friends have left you, where was the faith of the majority of the disciples when Jesus was arrested and crucified? Where were they? Now, obviously, we know John was there because he asked him, you know, Behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. We obviously know that. Where were the rest of them? Where was their faith? Where is your faith? You see, I, I keep going back to the, the ancient warfare and how that I love to study Greeks, the Greek warfare. They were the first ones to come up with a what they call the phalanx, which... If you're familiar with that, you know where I'm going with this. But if you're not, allow me to explain. You go into battle with a spear, short sword, and a shield. That's your weapons of protection and offense. Obviously your helmet and all those things like that. But you would stand there in a line, several wide, several deep, and you had a shield that only covered half of your body. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you go into battle with a shield that just covered half of your body and it extended out over here to cover the person beside you? So there was a dependence on each other and they would line up side by side depending on their counterpart with them to help them cover themselves and protect themselves spear right through that little hole and would charge into battle against the defense and annihilate it. I mean, several, several hundred deep, they'd run over it. And if the archers decided to get cute and shoot arrows, guess what? They went down under their shields and made like a little dome type thing to protect themselves from it. Each person depended upon their neighbor to help them in the battle. Now, obviously... We understand how that applies to us. We depend on each other to pray for us, right? To support us, to help us, to be there for us. We depend on our brothers and our sisters to hold us up and, and to keep our faith strong, right? Because our faith, I won't say our, I'm going to say my faith, obviously and ultimately is in God and His Word. But you know what? I've got faith in you. So that when I need help, guess what? My brothers and sisters come to me and say, Hey, I'm here for you. What can we do to help? We see it here all the time. We see it here in the various ministries that we do. Our faith is being seen by those around us. Have faith in each other and have faith in God to the point that we, we can withstand and quench those fiery darts of the wicked. When we're standing there by ourselves, so we think, and someone is attacking us verbally, physically, whatever, you, you name it, is it not comforting when one or two people step up and say, I got you back? You're like, whew. 
All right, let's do this. We got this. We can overcome it together. That's what about having faith is all about. And take the helmet of salvation. Oh, that helmet of salvation. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 8 mentions that, that same thing when he says, But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Knowing that the thing that triggers the most vital parts of your life that being your organs here that are covered by the righteousness of the breastplate. The thing that keeps those things in tune and on track is obviously your computer you have right here. We call it the heart of a man. Now, I ain't talking about the blood pump. We get it, all right? The heart is the mind, the soul. This is what keeps everything else going. So as long as we have knowledge of a thing called salvation, as long as we have our minds, our hearts set on the thought of God has already washed my sins away. God has saved me. I can exist and live and dwell in a saved state. So long as I choose to do that. If we keep that in mind, it's much easier for us to make the decision when temptation comes along what we're going to do with it. It's much easier for us if we have covered that vital part of our life saying, you know what, I used to be like this, but now I'm not. Because I've been washed by the blood of Christ. I have knowledge of salvation. I have a helmet of salvation that I wear to protect everything that I stand on. Because God is with me. God has promised those things to me. And not just the helmet of salvation, but the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 tells us that this is sharper than any two-edged sword right here. And you study the Bible, and you read the words of the inspired men who wrote. You read the words of Christ and you can't tell me that it doesn't convict you of something or at least remind you of what you were convicted of that motivated you to become a Christian. It cuts you. It pricks your heart. It did in Acts 2. It cut them to the core. <laughs> I heard a preacher one time we were out at Bible camp, and we had one particular night, there was nine baptisms. <laughs> I, this is funny, I try to keep it, I try to laugh at it to keep myself from getting upset over it, but a fellow preacher looked at me and the other handful of us that stayed up top when they all went down, and he said, and uttered these words, those last eight responses their baptisms are not going to take. And I was like, come again? Man, you, if, you know, if you know me, and you know Frank Williams in the group, you know that both of us 
we're chomping at the bit. But I said, let's give this man a chance to explain what he just said. Pat Robertson was also in that group. There's another one that was, both of us, were like, fixing to flog you. What are you talking about? What do you mean? And he said, they only went forward because the first one did. Okay. It was an emotional response. And I was like, when is it not an emotional response? And I looked over and I said, well, I guess uh, about 3,000 souls at Pentecost were baptized into Christ. So I guess 2,999 of them didn't take because the first one's the only one that counted and the rest of them was an emotional response. He said, that's not what I said. I said, that's exactly what you said. And then Frank Williams said, let me go get my Bible. I thought, "Uh uh-oh. We're going to be out here loving the kids tonight. And we just about were. The point was, he went on his merry way and we went back to our cabin. But friends, you can't have a response to God without an emotional response. That's what being pricked in your heart is about. That's being cut to the core, realizing your conviction of your sin. That's what the Word of God does for us. It brings us back to where we need to be spiritually. And we do that by spending time with God's Word and studying and keeping ourselves aligned with it. That's what it's about. Now you may be wondering, this little guy's been floating quite a while, hasn't he? He's existed in evil all around him, but he's not yet been overcome. Why? Because he's got the armor of God. Say, well, how's that? Because that's just a that's just a cutie. How's he got the armor of God? TA even said, I don't see a shield or a helmet. Well, no, you don't. Well, let me show you something. If you remove the protective covering, but we're going to call it for example purposes, the armor of God from this little cutie I think it's what it is I don't know it might be a tangelo tangerine I don't really care Emily picked it up I said get a small something don't come out here with grapefruits because I ain't got a cup that big when you remove the protective covering from this little guy now you're ready to eat it right Overwhelmed, overcome, sinking, grasping for any possibility to get to the top and have life that it could ever have. And there's no chance because it's taken away its protection. Those of you that can't see in the back, armor of God, unprotected. You know, we have a vivid explanation of that in Matthew 14, 22-32, where Jesus was coming to the disciples on the water, and they thought it was a spirit. You know how the account goes. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. 
And Peter says, if it's you, let me come to you. And he says, come on. He steps out of the water, out of the boat, onto the water. Guess what? At that point, the storm was going on, guys. The storm was already there. The waves didn't change when he stepped onto the water. And as long as he was focused, as long as he was protected, so long as he knew that Jesus was there and that I can keep my eyes and my mind or my heart or my goals or everything that about me focused on him, I can walk on water too. I won't be overcome. But what happened? He began to pay attention to the water around him. The wind, the waves, the storm, and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And he did. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him up. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? They had to go back to the boat. Because when they got back into the boat, it's when the storm and the wind ceased. This is it. If we are focused and we are using the armor of God, not just to our benefit, but to His and to each other's. We exist in the world, but we're not overcome. We're not sinking. We're afloat. And God is with us. But if we remove our armor, our protection, if we go away from God and we let ourselves make our own decisions in life and don't worry about God, guess what? We see the winds, we see the waves, we see the wickedness, and we become a part of it, and we drown in the world. Because we don't use the protection God gave us. Tonight, are you drowning? Are you sinking? Now, it could be that you never put on the honor of God to start with. You may not ever become a Christian before in your life. Well, you can become a Christian tonight. By obeying the Word of God, by going into the waters of baptism, the blood of Christ will touch you and wash away your sin. But it could be that you've been a Christian, won the honor, and took it off. You can come forward Ask for the prayers of those that are faithful and you can be restored. If you're subject in any way, if this is you, come forward tonight and this can be you while we stand and while we sing.